Pastor Xavier Reese on seeking the greatest Christmas gift ever given. They were led by God in verse 9, beholding the star which they had seen in the east, and they went before them. While all this evil is going on, God is being faithful to the ones who are seeking Him in direction and guidance. The star was a divine light that stood over where the child was. They were not satisfied till they stood before the Messiah. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Among the manger, sheep, and shepherd of the nativity scene, often depicted are the Magi, otherwise known as the wise men from the East. And just as the shepherds were given a sign of a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger, so too were the wise men directed to the newborn king by way of the Star of Bethlehem. But the simple truth is, for many, seeking the Son of God doesn't top the Christmas wish list all too often. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier unpacks a timely study titled, Wise People Seek Jesus. The Bible is very clear to tell us that Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world to redeem the world from sin. This is the only reason for the season. It's called Christmas. Let's look at Matthew's account of the wise men who came after the birth of Jesus, and it unfolds for us in three movements. First, we have the wise men. They came seeking out the king of the Jews in verse 1 to 3. Secondly, we have the wise men were sent out to locate the king of the Jews in verses 4 through 8. And third, the wise men found the king of the Jews in verse 9. 12. Take note in verse 1, the arrival of the wise men was to Jerusalem. Now the wise men came, notice, in the days when Herod, the king, reigned. He is said to be king, a title that he constantly sought for through Rome, but never was recognized as king by the Jews. Notice the wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. They're called wise men. The word is magos, the root word from which means great. But it came to mean magician, soothsayer, or diviner associated with astrology. Look at verse 2. The inquiry of the wise men at Jerusalem is given to us. And the wise men asked Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're not asking if he was born. They're asking, where is he? He has been born. The question implies there has been an announcement. The scriptures were known in Babylon. Nineveh, Persia, by men like Daniel, Jonah, and others. The scriptures were recognized in all those regions. The wise men told Herod, For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is the goal, ladies and gentlemen. Christmas is not just about presents, about feeling good. It's about coming to worship the Savior of the world. He was not just a man, he was God who became man, the savior of the world. The mission of the wise men disturbed Herod, notice in verse 3. The response of Herod was that when he heard these things, he was troubled. He was on the throne that he had uh, sought all his life. He worked hard for it. He was not going to let anyone remove another king. 
He had no room for Jesus. He, Herod the Great, was a complete madman, if you know his history, paranoid of losing his throne, so he killed many of his own wives as well as children. Notice the king, Herod, had no answer for the wise men. He was ignorant about the birth of the Messiah. The wise men came seeking out the king of the Jews at Jerusalem. Notice secondly, verse 4 through 8. The wise men were sent out to locate the king of the Jews. In 4 through 6, Herod called together the religious men of Jerusalem, and he called the chief priests and the scribes of the Jews. And the chief priests, as you know, were those who sought God for the people. They were the representatives, and the scribes were the transcribers, the interpreters of the scriptures. There were men having an appearance of being spiritual, but were not. They possessed accurate biblical truth. As you know, they spoke in theological languages, impressive. They expressed their experiences with God, but often in contradiction to the scriptures, as you know. They boasted in their academic accomplishments to affirm their spiritual qualifications, yet many of them were not doers of the word of God. Notice he inquired of them as to the place of the birth of the Messiah. Herod was not a Jew, as you know, but an Edomite. Herod was not interested in the Jewish Messiah. He was not looking for the coming of that Messiah, but rather was looking to keep himself on his own throne. Self-centered man, not God-centered man. That will make all the difference in the world. He was told the place was in Bethlehem of Judah, according to the prophecy declared in 5 and 6. They had the high privilege of possessing the revelation of God in verse 5. You have a high privilege on that Bible you hold. The absolute truth about God, sin, salvation, redemption, God's love story. The text is from Micah 5.2. The scripture was proclaimed about 700 years before the birth of Messiah. Incredible. God knows the end from the beginning. In verse 6, the prophecy was twofold regarding the revelation. First, the privilege of Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. The Messiah would be born there. Second, the person to be ruler and shepherd for out of you shall rule or come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What a beautiful picture of a shepherd, one who spends time with very weak, vulnerable animals. They, they have a tendency to stray. He lays down his life for the sheep. Who is this ruler? God. He became man to die for the sins of the world. One to lead with authority and one to tend the flock of God, the Jews, because he was sent to his own. His own received them not. Herod wanted to make sure that he remained on his throne. He's a bit agitated right now. He's concerned. Herod was listening to men who spoke the scriptures, notice, without having a concern for the Messiah of the scriptures. His concern was for himself. And so many people, they hear the gospel, and rather than seeing their need of a savior and their lostness, see their need of rejection because that threatens who they think they are and they're to be. It threatens them. It means they're wrong. They have to say, I'm wrong. They have to admit that they're evil in heart. And pride comes before destruction and the rejection of that gospel. 
They had no anticipation of the Messiah's coming. He wasn't looking for Messiah. Wasn't excited about the Messiah. He had no desire to be ruled by Messiah. But he gives the appearance of being interested in Messiah. Notice in 7 and 8, Herod was being deceptive in his words to the wise men. He secretly called the wise men and he determined to learn from them the time of the star's appearance. Uh, the word determined means to learn carefully. Uh, verse 13 through 18 gives, gives specifics on that. And he, he covered up his motive and true intent by hypocrisy in verse 8. He falsely communicated his desire to worship the Messiah. Therefore, he asked them to inform him when they found him. He was using pretentious words to accomplish his evil desire to destroy the Messiah. This is the heart of man. He wears a mask. We're all good at that in our natural person. If you're a Christian, you have to fight against that all the time. Because the old man's ever present. He was selling himself to them by his fraudulent words, saying he wanted to worship the Messiah rather than to destroy him. There are many people like Herod who um, seek out biblical truth for self gain. Um, some seek out Jesus for their material and physical needs, uh, taking advantage of Christians and Christianity. There are many people because they know Christians are benevolent, they're kind, they're loving. Others um, to seek out someone in marriage, you know, they come into church just to find uh, a wife. It's always kind of funny sometimes, and they think they're going to get a goldfish and end up getting jaws. And so, you know, <laughs> careful what bait you use, okay? And still others um, to move into the community of God's people for a position of leadership or authority just to rule over people. You see, at heart, we love people to bow to us. We love people to say, oh, you're so great. You know, it's like the guy that said, you know, I'm tired of talking about myself. What do you think about me? That's man. And unless we give our lives to Christ, it only gets worse. It doesn't get better. John 12, 42 to 43 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Mark 9.35 says, And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. Bottom line, when you first come to Christ, you're called to be a servant. After 40, 50 years of service and God using you, you're to remain a servant. That's what we are. The wise men were sent out to locate the king of the Jews in Bethlehem. Notice thirdly, verse 9 through 12. The wise men found the king of the Jews. This is the goal. If you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe you're over the internet, I hope your heart's open. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you perish. He wants to just change your life. Listen carefully. The wise men were seeking a king over their lives. They were persistent in seeking the Messiah as he initiates by his Holy Spirit. In verse 2, they came seeking him. In verse 2, they sought the Messiah to worship him. They sought a person, not a system of philosophy, but a person. 
They were led by God to greater truth out of a sincere seeking. Verse 9, the beginning there. They heard Herod the king, but did not know he was lying. They departed with sincere dedication. They were led by God in verse 9, beholding the star which they had seen in the east, and it went before them. While all this evil is going on, God is being faithful to the ones who are seeking him in protection, in direction, in guidance. They were not satisfied till they stood before the Messiah. The star was not some constellation, as people say, Saturn, Jupiter, Halley's Comet. The star was a divine light that stood over where the child was. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy at finding the Messiah, verse 10. He's the goal. He's the reason for the season. Look at verse 11. The wise men were true to their intent once God revealed to them the Messiah. They entered the house and worshiped, prostrating themselves before the Christ child. The place was a house, notice, not a cave or an outdoor enclosure, nor was the Christ child a baby in a manger when they arrived. In fact, in Matthew 2.16, Herod commanded they kill male children two years and under, so we know that he's probably two years old or under, somewhere in there. He makes, he covers his ground. The mother of Jesus, Mary, was present. Notice in verse 11 there, but Joseph is not mentioned at all. The last time he's mentioned is when Jesus was 12. He's not the important person for the story. They fell down and worshipped him. This is the goal. They didn't worship Mary. Blessed are you among women, not above women. She herself declared her need of a savior. Many people get nice feelings about Jesus, but they're not worshiping Jesus. Many people are religious and they make their pilgrimages, but they don't know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, not through physical idols, not through certain places that you make pilgrimages to. He destroys all those things. He's a spirit. And his word tells us how to worship him in truth according to the word of God. They gave of their best that they had, notice. They came with treasures, verse 11. They presented gifts to him. They gave Jesus three things. And that's why we conclude there's three wise men, but not so. They gave him gold, which is symbolic of deity in his office of king. They gave him frankincense, symbolic of his priestly and sacrificial service. And they gave him myrrh, symbolic of his office of prophet who was to die, which was used for embalming. The three gifts. Then notice in 12, the wise men, having found the Messiah, were obedient to God and what he revealed to them. They were divinely warned in a dream to not return to Herod. Now you've got a decision. God's the one who sent us. God's the one who directs us to Messiah. And we've got another king who's telling us to do something contrary to the word of God. Who do I obey? For the wise men, it was simple. You obey God rather than man. 
Simple. Revealing the faithfulness of God to warn them. Revealing the loyalty of the wise men to obey him. Many people want God to be faithful, but they don't want to obey. Oh, can't have that. They departed to their own country another way, God's way. Listen, God's way is always another way from the world's way. Revealing their dependency on God alone. Revealing their trust in God's way. Again, Benjamin Franklin, a great statesman, proclaimed, quote, We need God to be our friend, not our enemy. We need him to be our ally, not our adversary. We need to make sure that we keep his concurring aid. How far we have moved from such men that I'm quoting the founding fathers. Very progressively. Like the frog in the kettle. Frog just sits there and boils to death. The heat is so progressively, so slowly moving upward. Licking his chops, thinking dinner's on the stove, not knowing that he is dinner. The individuals who are wise, like the wise men, are those who are seeking a king for their lives. Seeing their condition as lost, regardless of their greatness, the Word of God transcends culture and education. God says, you're a sinner. Man says, you're good. God says, you need a salvation. The world says, that's foolishness. The Bible says, your sins can be forgiven. The world says, what is sin? <laughs> Seeing the need of a Savior, regardless of their good works. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says that it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, if you believe you are good, you're that one that's good, you're calling God a liar. Not one good. We're all rotten to the core. Did you ever have to teach your child to lie or to steal when they got two, three years old? No, you don't have to do that. It would come out automatic. You know why? We're sinners. We needed to change your heart. So simple. The individuals who are wise, like the wise men, are those who are true to their intent once God reveals himself to them as Messiah. That Jesus is the God-man who came into the world, John 1, 1 and 1, 14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and God was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you believe that? If you don't, then you're against God. It's real simple. It's A or B. There's no C. That Jesus is the Savior of the world, John 14, 42, the woman of Samaria. If you believe others can save you, there's other ways to heaven, then you're an enemy of God. Simple. That Jesus is the only name by which men must be saved, Acts 4.12. If you think that Krishna can save you, Mary can save you, Peter can save you, your good work can save you, you're an enemy of God. You don't believe the gospel. That Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus in 1 Timothy 2.5. If you believe Peter can intercede for you, virgins can intercede for you, Mary can intercede for you, the Pope can intercede for you, then you're an enemy of God. The individuals who are wise, like the wise men, are those who have found the Messiah 
and then become obedient to God and what he reveals to them. It's a change of mind with a change of heart to live dependent on Jesus always through thick and thin, to grow, develop, mature in studying the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To be part of the church in service to the Lord, if you live in the rafters and in the grandstands criticizing the church, come down in the trenches. Roll up your sleeves. The Lord is coming. Let's serve saints and saints, sinners and saints. That's what we're about. To live a crucified life by being filled with the Holy Spirit continuously because I have to say no to myself every day. There isn't a day, there isn't a minute that I, I cannot say, I don't have to say no because the old man's there. I have to ask God to fill me. I have to yield to the new man. What is your commitment? Is it just for what's best for you? Or is your commitment a true gospel commitment for the glory of God? For the long run, through thick or thin, Philippians 3, 3, 13 through 15 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. You need to make a commitment to the Lord wholeheartedly. You need to lose your life so you can gain it. You need to know that only the Lord can do this through you. What is your goal for this coming year of the Lord should tarry? How far have you come since last January? Have you gotten closer to the Lord? Have you become wiser? Has your service been more faithful? Those are questions you need to Ask yourself and be honest about them. The wise men found the king of the Jews to worship him. That's the goal. One put it this way, knowledge can be memorized. Wisdom is something that enables us to use knowledge rightly. Wisdom resists group pressure, thinks for itself, and is reconciled to the use of its own judgment. Here's the key. If your knowledge is worldly as a Christian, then your wisdom will be non-wisdom of the world. If your knowledge is biblical, then you'll be a wise person and things you decide and things you do. The key is who you're drawing from, the world or the word of God. He is the reason for the season. And so Matthew's account of the Magi's coming to Jesus through this threefold movement. The wise men came seeking out the king of the Jews at Jerusalem. The wise men were sent out to locate the king of the Jews in Bethlehem. And the wise men found the king of the Jews and worshipped him. That you can worship him anywhere in spirit and in truth. We don't have to go to Bethlehem. He's the Savior of the world. If you don't know Him, I pure hope you open your heart to Him. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, inviting you to open your heart to the greatest Christmas gift ever given, the gift of God's Son. You'll find the simple steps to guide you to a new life in Christ at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. We also have today's message titled, Wise People Seek Jesus, available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this is the full-length message, including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Wise People Seek Jesus, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com